stand for prayer. Lord, we're just asking you for an anointing this morning. We're asking you, Lord, for protection this morning, protection from any deception, any uh, hindrance, Lord, from the enemy. Any be done on earth like it is in heaven. So, Lord, with us, thank you for gathering us here. You've blessed us already. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. morning. As I've said this morning already two or three times, good morning. So um, the title of what I wanted to share is this side of judgment, on this side of judgment. The Kings, you just went to the Yosemite, right? It is, I, I have a story to share and uh, I just want to say that I'm very thankful that all your children are with us. <laughs> Three people are presumed dead after being swept over a waterfall in Yosemite National Park. They ignored warning signs and crossed a barricade to pose for a photograph, a witness said on Wednesday. This is our article from 2010. Just 25 feet upstream from, from the drop, the victims had climbed over a metal guardrail, ignoring warning signs and apparently pleas from other hikers to get out of the water. Their bodies have not been found in the foaming boulder sprune Torrent, that is the Mercy River. In addition to all the signage, other hikers on the trail above the 317 foot Vernal Falls warned the group that conditions in the Mercer River was treacherous. Everyone was screaming. A witness said people were praying, What I will take away from me or take away with me forever is the look on the grown man's face as he was floating down the river knowing he was going to die and nobody could help him. Yosemite Search and Rescue identified the people presumed dead as Homies David, 22, of Modesto, Nino Yakeb, 27, of Turlock, and Remna Ball, 21, of Modesto. A metal barricade separates the hikers from the river where it pools among a slick slab of granite before crashing over the precipice. Signs in several language, languages warn people of the danger of slippery slopes and fast-moving water. The witnesses said he saw one man posing near a waterfall with a screaming six- to seven-year-old girl in his arms while his 14-year-old daughter snapped photographs. People became unglued on this guy. Bibby said, the witness. They said, you know what, man? Get back. Get back over here. As the man complied, another man and woman in the group crossed the barricade and made their way to a rock to pose for photographs. That's when the woman slipped, Bibi said. The man reached down for her and fell in. And then another one tried to help. And she fell in the water too. We literally watched them swept over the edge of Vernal's Falls. Remember, this is 179 foot waterfall. He was reaching back, trying to grab something. Everyone was screaming. You wanted to help, but you couldn't, Bibi said. I looked at his face and I saw his eyes wide open, absolutely fearful that he was going to die in five seconds. When we saw them go over the waterfall, they were holding each other. The couple in the water just hugged each other tightly as they disappeared over the edge. It was brutal, Bibi said. The victims were part of a close-knit community of Christians from the Middle East who had been settling in California's Central Valley during the last century. They were members of the Mar Gwinnon Parish where a prayer service was planned. The church is part of an Assyrian church of the East. The fear of death in a man's eyes is about the, who's about to die is not something I've ever seen before and I don't ever want to see it again, said Bibi who was still furious at the man who first climbed over the rail and endangered others by doing so with his example. Not just that family was damaged, but all of us who had to watch those people die are damaged. The title, as I said, is this side of the warning, uh, this side of the judgment, rather. Um, I've been going through Jeremiah lately uh, and knowing the end of the story, knowing that they go into captivity, knowing that they ignore all the warnings over and over and over again breaks my heart because I was there. I had all the warnings and I ignored them. I pushed past and, and uh, 
And, well, you know the rest of that story. But there's yet another story, and I'm sure even in this, this small of a group, there's yet another story similar. In Luke 16, 19, we read this little story. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared scrumptiously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be, uh, to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried away by the angels in Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham far off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, and now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, and listen to this, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went out from the dead, they would repent. And he said, If they heard not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded by one who rose from the dead. And of course, we know that the end of that story is talking about Jesus. But but they had Moses and the prophets. They had the warning signs. The five brethren, the, the four brethren, the, these, these, these men related to this man in judgment, they had the warnings and, and they were ignoring them. And Jesus said, in this story Jesus is uh, recounting here, he, he says they, they have that. They have those warnings, and they're not going to listen to that. It's pointing out here that there's a coming judgment approaching. It has warnings, and, and it, has, uh, it has warnings for those who will listen. Perhaps I'm not talking to anyone here. Perhaps this message is to me. Perhaps uh, someone that's going to be listening, either on the phone or on the tape later. But each one of us has a small or great issues that they know that the Lord has a finger on. Even in this small group, there are those who have yet to make the decision, the eternal decision, the decision to repent from the flesh and accept Christ and to trust in Him. There are warnings. Judgment is coming. But those who I really want to have set up and to really listen carefully is another group. One that knows that they are living, knows that it's not the way God has called them to live. They are living in such a way that throws back in the face of God all that He has done. They have seen and heard the great things God has done. They know firsthand in history there was such a group of people. God had remembered them, or redeemed them from slavery, from the flesh. He, he took them out of worldly entertainments and worldly environments and, and slavery to the Egyptians. He took them out of that. He gave them a promised land. You know who I'm talking about, Israel. And in the New Testament, we have, we have Paul saying, what was done to them in the Old Testament are types and shadows. They're examples for us. So we have this, this people who've gone before into Yosemite who didn't obey like your children did. Good job, guys. <laughs> I've seen you climb fences. Thank you for obeying your parents. Um, but they, they didn't. These people didn't. They climbed over fences. They fell down crevasses. They fell into uh, old cisterns. They, fell, they, they continually rebelled against God. And their rebellion and their forgiveness that they received, their wars that they fought, the blessings, these are all examples for us. And so this morning... I have such a message. Israel had started to follow other gods and they fell under the judgment during the time of, uh, of Jeremiah, the, the time it was written. And God had enemy after enemy invade and destroy it. So this is Israel up here. They have, they have continually rebelled against God. Down here, because of David, if you remember the story, and I won't go into it, because of David, there was a small remnant, a, a group. There was, a, a, what, two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, um, they they had they had a small little nation there, and Jeremiah was part of that nation. 
when Jeremiah was young, Judah was a, uh, had a godly young king by the name of Joash. He began to prophesy in the 13th year of Joash's reign. Now, uh, if you do the math, the 12th reign of Joash's, uh, uh, the, the year, the 12th year that he was uh, king, he started a reformation. He started tearing down the high places. He started pushing the agenda of God. He started saying no more of these false gods and ripping them down. And one year later, God speaks to Jeremiah and he says, I want you to go help him. And so he was probably no doubt an encouragement to the young king. But soon after Joshua, Josiah, sorry, soon after Josiah came and left, the bad king started coming. And that's where we see a lot of the, a lot of pull, a lot of the, the judgment coming, the warnings coming when these bad kings started. Each one was worse than the last and they sank and they daily went into dearly, uh, to demon worship. They started following their flesh and, follow, and, and even sacrificing their own children, much like America is doing today. We're not that far away from this. This is the culture. But much to what the, what the Lord and, uh, or Father Abraham said in the story earlier, they were ignoring the, the messages. They were ignoring what Moses had to say. They were ignoring all the promises and the conditional promises that, that God laid out through Moses. They were ignoring Jeremiah as he rose up in the street and saying, guys, you've got to repent. Judgment is coming. Terrible things are happening. It, it's going to happen. Look what happened to Israel. It's going to happen to us. There is no question about it unless you repent. And they were ignoring it and they ignored it and they ignored it. And these, these verses that I want to share with you this morning, it's not a three-point sermon. It's just verses. It's just things I saw out of Jeremiah that I want to share as warnings. If there's anybody here sitting with secret sin, with hidden sin, with yet a decision to fully commit their life to Christ, then listen to these warnings. These aren't just from history. These are not just about Judah. They're about us. They're types and shadows. They're evidences of where they left the, the path and fell down the fountain. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. There's some here that just, they just admit, I don't, either in their words or in their deeds, um, they say the God of my forefathers, the God of the God of my church, the God of the Bible is just not as powerful enough to, to keep me entertained. He's just not powerful enough to, to, to give me everything I need to be fulfilled. They may not say that, but there may be some here who by their deeds, by their thoughts that they're allowing to continue, by the sin that they have in their life, they just may be admitting the same thing as those people were at the same time Jeremiah was, was prophesying. They may be saying, that God, the real God, is just not strong enough. Whatever the reason the Jews were living at the time Jeremiah had, they chose the immediate local gods, the gods of convenience, rather than the, the one true God who was slow in anger, but great in love. Listen to this. This is Jeremiah chapter 5. The Lord says, walk the streets of Jerusalem. Look around and think about these things. Search the public squares of the city. See if you can find one good person. One who does honest things and who searches for truth. If you find one person, I will forgive Jerusalem. Before I go further, I just, I just want to share with you. I, my apologies ahead of time if I offend you by using a, a translation that you may not. But again, this is out of my quiet times. And this is things the Lord spoke to me preciously. And I, and I don't want to go to another translation because um, I know think, I think we're all adults here and I think that you can forgive me if I'm not saying something just the exact way you memorized it. But the Word of God is the Word of God. But did you hear that? Search and find one person who does something honest. <laughs> one person who seeks after truth. And I'll, I'll save Jerusalem. Great disastrous consequences came as a result of them disregarding God's warnings. Seventy years of captivity. Now, adults, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but children, if you could do me a favor, I want you to take your thumb. Yeah, you guys can do it too. I want you to take your thumb, okay? And I want you to feel underneath your jaw. Can you, can you do that for me, little children? Can you do that? You feel a hollow spot right there? I don't want to be too graphic, and I don't want to give you nightmares. But that's where they set the hook. 
big iron hooks jammed through the jaw and they dragged the leaders through the desert over to Babylon. Captivity came, not, not just 70 years, but the pain and misery and suffering, the torment of the journey. I just have to wonder what they were thinking when they were going through that. Now, when I went through my time and, and, and I left the comfort of a job and I, and I left all the, the things and there was, there was certainly doctrinal things I just couldn't stay at that job for, but there was a judgment that came from losing that job, from leaving that job. There was a judgment that came. And I remember Rebecca being with me as we were down in Pleasant Hill and I was taking these blocks of three-tie. Now, if you guys know anything about hay, three-tie is not the big bales. Three-ties are slippery and they're stacked and I don't know how many are in the stack. Help me out, farmers. How many is in a stack of three-ties? So it's, it's basically 6,000 pounds of 100-pound of blocks. Do the math. So these do great things. And I picked it up with a squeeze and I moved it out. And this is all in my mind. I'm thinking, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And it just... <laughs> all over the place and it just it happened once and then it happened again and i'm picking up these hundred pound bales and i'm trying to make these stacks and, I, and i'm sweating and i'm miserable and i just start crying out and weeping i felt so sorry for rebecca <laughs> she was too young to remember like wow dad's having a real, a real hard problem here but i was just thinking that this is the judgment of god on my life because i sinned because i ignored because i didn't listen to the warnings this is the life ahead of me. This is how my life is going to be from now on. Toil and by the sweat of my brow making money. Anyway. But again, that promise. If you could just find one. What about this morning? I, I don't want to be overdramatic. I don't want to say to you this morning that he was calling you and he ignored his warnings. I don't want to say that, that you ignored him. Maybe you have listened. Maybe you have repented quickly. Maybe you have followed with him with your entire whole heart. Maybe even with a, with a new heart. You find sin just something you don't want to do. And following God something you want to do. Amen. The Holy Spirit's clear to you. His voice is crystal clear to you and you can recognize it and the world and the things of the world hold no value to you compared to the, the residing in the promises of God. Well, amen. I wish I was like that. I always wish I, I really wish I was like that. If that describes you this morning, then pray for me. This has been a hard week to win the sermon together because these warnings are for me. This is, I don't want to stand up here as a hypocrite. I don't want to say I got it. These warnings are for me. Pray for those here that, that, uh, that can hear my voice that, that maybe haven't made that decision. Little or old. Who haven't made the decision to trust in Jesus. Judgment is coming to them. Pray for those that someday will listen to this message. Let these warnings not fall on deaf ears or onto ears filled with the sounds of the flesh and the sounds of this world. Too already full of the voices of the gods of this world. I've been reading out of Jeremiah and his warnings his warnings. They were all given before this great judgment, before the great disaster that came upon them. If they could just look ahead and say, that's what you're talking about? Okay, I'm going to obey. But they didn't. They said, oh, I got pleasure here. I got all this thing going here and I got, you know, this is all fine. Somewhere more than 40 years before the judgment, Jeremiah was told this by God. Before I made you in your mother's womb, this is Jeremiah 1, 5, if you're taking notes. Before I made you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I chose you for a special work. I chose you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah chapter 1, 14, it says, The Lord said to me, something terrible will come from the north. It will happen to all the people who live in this country. In a short time, I will call all the people in the northern kingdoms. This is what the Lord said. The kings of those countries will come and set up their thrones near the gates of Jerusalem. They will attack the city walls of Jerusalem. They will attack all the cities in, Jer in Judah. And I will announce judgment against my people because they are evil. And have turned away from me. They offered sacrifices to other gods. And worshipped idols. And uh, they made with their own hands. Don't lose sight of the fact guys. Israel was God's chosen people. He, they were described as the apple of his eye. They were his people. He had covenants with these people. He loved them. He had already. Already what 10 tribes or so. He's already written them off. 
kind of. He, <laughs> but he, but he ju- felt judgment fell on them, and their nation was ripped up and destroyed. And, and, and now here's Judah. Here's little Judah. And he's saying, it's coming. The enemy is going to camp on the outside. They're going to come in. They're going to destroy you. Um, and then he makes this statement, they are evil. What made them evil? Because that's important to us. Are we not chosen? Are we not the apple of God's eye? Are we not told that God loves us, that he sent his only begotten son? Are we not told that, that we are loved of God? They were. But, but he calls his own people evil. He had made them. He had protected them. He was their God. What made his people evil? They offered sacrifices to other gods and worshipped idols they made with their own hands. How is it that we might fall to that? We're not making idols. We're not, we're not crafting together little wooden carved things and painting them with gold. But we sacrifice our money and time to the things that do not honor God. We work not to feed ourselves, but to make more and more and more money. If hard time comes, we can say money will save us. We fill our time with friends and with entertainment. The hard things of the Lord, and I'm not saying friends and entertainment is bad as long as it's used in in godly ways, but I will say this, when the hard things of the Lord, when the Lord says, I want you next Sunday to go out and knock on doors and worship, or and and, and give uh, uh, my word, my gospel, my, 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 my pathway to salvation to people, that's a hard thing of the Lord for me, brother. It really is. You know, I'd rather just go sit and listen to some tunes. You know, I, I, I'd rather, I'd rather, but is that not, even if the tunes are godly, is that not giving over to my flesh? When the hard things of the Lord, they just seem to fall farther and farther back into the background and they're not as important to us anymore because the good things are here. They're much closer. Does those things make us evil? Well, if we're looking at the example of Judah and God says, hey, they have turned away from me. They've offered sacrifices to other gods. And if, if I'm offering my time and my money and my resources, my energy, my children to things of entertainment rather than doing the hard things, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I believe that we all start out evil. And maybe that's a doctrinal thing that you don't agree with. But I believe that we start out evil. We're born on the wrong side of grace. But that God has placed in us a place for his Holy Spirit to awaken us and draw us closer to him. The question should not be, do these things make us evil? But do these things draw us closer to him? To the one who makes us not evil. To the one that makes us pure. To the one who makes us acceptable to himself. The question shouldn't be, should I have this job? Should I make this money? Should I do this? Should I watch that? Should I be involved in this activity? The question shouldn't be, are these things evil? But are they good? Are they pulling me closer to the one who's going to make me good? Because I'm all, I, I, I was born evil. I was born evil. And I need God. And I need to be closer to him. And I need things in my life that's going to draw me closer. Next observation from Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter two, verse five, this little verse here. This is what the Lord says. Do you think that I was not fair to your ancestors? Is that why they turned away from me? Your ancestors worshiped worthless idols and they became worthless themselves. Verse uh, seven, same chapter. I I brought you into a good land, a land filled with many good things. I did this so that you could eat the fruit and crops that grew there, but you only made the land dirty. I gave that land to you, but you made it a bad place. For a moment, just exchange this word. And again, forgive me if it's the doctrinal toes I'm stepping up, but exchange the word land. I gave you that land with church or assembly. This is a scary concept. Think of the, think of the, the various fellowships that have turned their backs on the real gospel. Right? They have embraced things like health and wealth. They've embraced no obedience needed. They've embraced easy, easy believism. Kill your enemies in the name of the God and country. So many churches that were given godly heritages. Has Christendom been soiled? Ask any of the older cultures in Spain, in, in uh, Turkey, in Syria, in any of the Middle Eastern countries. If you ask them, if you say the word Christian, and you say, what's the first thing that pops to your mind? It's probably not going to be cam it's not going to be oh they've helped us during uh, earthquakes and they've done all these wonderful things the first thing on their mind is going to be the the crusades 
He's given us this land. He's given us a relationship, a right relationship with Jesus. He's given us each other. He's given us brothers and sisters who want to pursue the Lord. And if we bring anything into that, we dirty the land. It's not just for the judgment that's going to fall upon me, but it's the judgment that's going to fall on those around me that I got to pursue those things that are godly and do those hard things and not allow the idols to be in my life. But the truth is that all those examples I just shared with there are kind of out there. They're churches, they're history, they're Syria, they're, they're those places over there in Iraq. They're, they're dealing with that. But in here, in this building, this many people, is there somebody in right now in their pocket is hidden an idol that they have crafted, an idol that they have formed? And I'm not talking about some magic coin, but is there something in somebody's heart? And my heart, is there, is there something that's being cherished above God? The warning to, to Judah was, you guys came in and you destroyed, you made it dirty. You made my land that I gave you dirty. Be listening to God. Be listening to the warnings. Next point, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. My people have done two evil things. They've turned away from me and they dug their own water cisterns. I am the source of living water. Those cisterns are broken and cannot hold water. Do we go to one another? Do we go to our own wealth? Do we go to our own understanding, to our, our own church, to our own craftiness, to our own desires to find fulfillment? I know a man that has the wealth and the intelligence and the friends to never have want. I, I, don't, I don't ever see this man ever having a want because he has all those things. He is so proud of his self-sufficiency. And he reminds me, and let me just be completely honest here, sometimes I remind me of the description in Revelations. Revelation chapter three seventeen. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mightst be rich, or rich, and white raiment, that thou uh, mayest be clothed, and that thy shame or thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that they mayest that thou mayest mayest see. Uh, I'll get through it. Um, but do you have do you have need to God to completely fill you? I mean, is there is there something else that can completely fill you? Just be honest within your own heart. Is there something else that you can find that completely fills you? Or can you be happy with just hearing from him? This is a perfect example. If you had all day long, by yourself, all resources available to you, you had a computer that was unguarded, no covenant eyes, no filters, no accountability. If you had, um, uh, you had books that you could go to that, that weren't hand-selected, if you had a doctor's waiting room full of magazines and as an option, you had a Bible or some recorded sermons or some prayer time, what would you choose? Perhaps to modernize this question, perhaps I could say this. What's the most used app on your cell phone? Next point, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse... 15, like a lion, the enemy has roared at Israel. They have destroyed your land. Your cities have been burned and no one is left in them. People from, from Memphis and Talfaz have smashed the top of your head. The trouble is your own fault. The Lord your God was leading you the right way, but you turned away from him. If you're living a double life, if you are giving ground to the enemy, judgment will fall. Not because he's a mean God. But because the results of any process is the consequence of the process itself. The results of any process is the consequences of the process itself. For the sake of not uh, causing anybody here to stumble, I'm not going to read a couple of verses. Uh, 24 and 25 for those who want to look at it later, but I'm not going to read it. But I'll say this. Let me say this. God sees 
God sees our desires for sin. He knows why we go someplace. He knows why we read something. He knows what we're uh, going on when we're going on to YouTube for how to fix something. And he knows what's going to pop up in the side. And he knows our heart's going to be looking over there for a reason. He knows our motives. He knows. We can't hide our thoughts from him. What a slamming indictment in verse 33. This is a 2.33. Judah, you have become so good at finding lovers. Even the worst woman could learn some evil things from you. What an indictment. I had one daughter that uh, I shared that with this morning. And, and she said, you know, uh, you might want to go to King James with that. So for her sake, I'm throwing that in too. This is Jeremiah 2.33 in King James. Why trimmest? thou thy way to seek love therefore hast thou also taught the wicked ones thy ways and one of the neat things about that word trimmest is it would be a sailing term right you trim your sail i'm 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 purposing my desire is over there and i'm going to purpose my sail so it blows the right direction or so it catches the wind the right way i'm planning for that jeremiah 3 verse 1 if a man divorces his wife and she goes and marries another, uh, someone else, the first husband cannot take her back. If he did, it would make the land unclean. Judah, you and all your false gods are like a prostitute with many lovers. So why do you think you can come back to me? This message is from the Lord. Do you understand the consequences of going after private sin? Do we understand that God is giving this, this illustration and he spoke clearly to us? Lest you think this is an Old Testament deal, guys. God spoke clearly to us later in Romans. Romans chapter 1, 24, people wanted only to do evil. So God let them, left them and let them go onto their sinful ways. And so they became completely immoral and used their bodies in shameful ways with each other. They traded the truth of God for a lie. They bowed down and worshiped things God made instead of worshiping God uh, who made those things. He is the one who should be praised forever. Amen. People did not think it was important to have a true knowledge of God. So God left them and allowed them to have their own worthless thinking. And so they do what they should not do. And King James it says there, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a retrobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. They are filled with every kind of sin, evil, greed, hatred. They are full of jealousy, murder, fighting, lighting, thinking the worst things about each other. They gossip. They say evil things about each other. They hate God. They are rude, proud, brag about themselves. They invent ways. They invent ways of doing evil. And they don't obey their parents. They are foolish and they don't keep their promises. And they show no kindness or mercy to others. They know God's laws say that anyone who lives like that should die. But they not only continue to do these things, but they also encourage others to do them. Next warning, next warning sign here in Jeremiah 3 verse 4 but don't just call me, uh, but didn't you just call me father? Didn't you just say you have been my friend since I was a child? You also said God will not always be angry with me. His anger will continue, will not continue forever. Let's, let's pause there and think about that verse. Is that something you hear? Is that something that, 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 that is a church full of grace there, right? That's God's graceful God. He's a loving God. He is love. God will not always be angry with me. His anger will not continue forever. Judah, you say that, but you do not, you do as much evil as you can. There's a warning sign. God is loving. God is forgiving. God does care. And he has his mercy there so that we repent, not so that we can continue in sin. Then Paul echoes that later. And I'm not going to do that verse, but you know that verse. We don't have grace so that we can continue in sin. We say we know there is a God. That even in fact we believe in Him and we will be saved by Him in the end. But God is no fool. It surprises Him. Does it not sound like in that verse? It surprises Him that any would call Him God and yet live as if their own flesh was a bigger God. Their own flesh is more worthy to be followed. Lest you think among all these warnings that he is not the God of mercy. 
In Jeremiah 3, uh, verse 12, the, the second part of that verse, it says, This message is from the Lord. I will stop frowning at you. I am full of mercy. The Lord says, I will not be angry with you forever, but you must recognize your sin. You turned against the Lord your God. That is your sin. You worshiped the idols of other nations. You worshiped them under every green tree. You did not obey me. This message is from the Lord. In context, the Lord is speaking to northern Israel. He's talking about the nation that already fell under judgment. And I believe he was trying to make Judah jealous. But the thought process of the Lord is displayed here. And that, that's what I love about these stories. Yes, he's speaking to a specific group or he's speaking to a specific person. But we get to see how his mind works in these stories. And what's his mind? He, he's saying, I, I will stop pouring out my judgment on you. I'll stop that. I won't be angry with you forever. But you've got to recognize your sin. You can't just keep on sinning and thinking that it's going to be okay. You've got to let go of that habit. You've got to let go of that permission you're giving your flesh. You've got to let go of those idols. You cannot hold on to these things. We have to acknowledge our sin. And here's a father's cry for you. Jeremiah chapter 3, 22. People of Israel, you are unfaithful to me. But come back to me. Come back and I will forgive you for being unfaithful. Just say, yes, we will come back. Because you are the Lord, our God. It was foolish to worship idols on the hills. All the loud parties on the mountains were wrong. Surely the salvation of Israel comes from the Lord, our God. The Father's heart is, admit it. Admit it. Just don't gloss over it. Don't, don't put... This is sin. This is wrong. I shouldn't have done it. I don't want to do it again. God, you are the only source of salvation and I need you. You're the source of fulfillment for me. Jeremiah 4, verse 1. This message is from the Lord. Israel, if you want to come back, then you come back to me. Throw away your idols. Don't wander farther away from me. If you do these things, then you'll be able to... You'll be able to use my name to make a promise. You'll be able to say, as the Lord lives... You'll be able to use those words in truthful, honest, and right way. If you do these things, the nations will be blessed by the Lord. They will brag about what the Lord has done. If we truly repent, then God can use us. It's like the nation in Israel. It's like Judah. If they truly repented, then God could use them to bless other nations. Not just through the lineage that came forward and, and Jesus was there, that, although I believe that's the ultimate fulfillment of that particular promise, but... I do believe that if we repent, and God, God says, if you come back to me, if you throw away your idols, don't wander away from me anymore. If you do these things, then I will bless you. I'll pour out my blessings on you. Other nations will be blessed by you. They'll be able to look at you and go, God did something in that man. God did something in that woman. Something. It's amazing. I don't know what it is. I don't know, I don't know what this God is or anything, but I, I can see something different about that person. And I read this verse earlier, but I want to I want to point out something. The Lord says, "Walk the streets of Jerusalem, look around, and think about these things. Search the public squares of the city. See if you can find one good person, one who does honest things, and who searches for the truth. If you find one good person, I'll forgive Israel." God is looking for a person who just doesn't go with the flow. One who says that uh, it's well, it might be sin, but everybody does it. It's not that bad, because it's not really that bad. Oh, who, who just doesn't want, to, doesn't want to do what feels good? He's looking for a person who looks at and studies their behaviors, looks at their own thoughts, looks at their own permissions that have given themselves, looks at their own, their own uh, desires and go, God, is that one right? Is that one right? You know, when I spoke that word to that person, was that in righteous judgment, uh, in righteous anger, or was that not? It was that flesh. Lord, these things in my life, are they... I want to examine them before you. I want to know the truth of my life. Is this right? I'm not just going to let it happen. Do we leave well enough alone regarding our thoughts and our actions in our life or do we spend time searching for the truth? And His, his punishment, His judgment upon us doesn't happen without warning. I've read all sorts of warnings this morning. Jeremiah 6, 7, As a well keeps its water fresh, so Jerusalem keeps its wickedness fresh. 
I hear about the robbing and the violence in the city all the time. I see, no, I see nothing but pain and sickness there all the time. Listen to this warning, Jerusalem, or I will turn my back on you. I will make your land empty a desert. No one will be able to live there. Forget that we're talking about a historical moment in time. Is Jesus talking to us right now? Before judgment comes, on this side of the fence, when we see the sign that says, don't cross over, this is dangerous. On this side of the disaster, floating downstream, going over those falls, on this side, are we willing to take those signs seriously? Those warnings seriously? Or, he says, listen to this warning, Jerusalem, or I will turn my back on you. What a judgment. What a judgment. I'll turn my back on you. You've heard it before. There's an old Indian story. I've shared it before. I, I just don't think there's a better proverb out here that talks about this because I just think it's such a, it's a beautiful word picture. It's an American Indian story. Um, at one point I remember the source, but I can't do it right now. But it's about our calloused heart and how our conscience is like a small ball of flesh within our chest. And within it is a sharp, small stone. And every time we violate our conscience, the stone turns, cutting as it goes. And pain is designed by God to make us stop, right? Put your finger on a hot stove. Oh, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> pain is designed to make us stop. When we have a conscience that's violated, it hurts. It's like, oh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. But as that sharp stone turns and turns and turns, it starts to callous over. And at some point, it just starts free spinning. Jeremiah chapter 6, 15. They should be ashamed of the evil things they do. But they're not ashamed at all. They don't even know enough to be embarrassed by their sins. So they will be punished with everyone else. They will be thrown to the ground when I punish the people. This is what the Lord said. Jeremiah six nineteen. Hear this, people of earth. I am going to bring disaster to the people of Judah because of all their evil they have planned and because they ignored my messages. They refused to obey my law. Why do you bring incense from the country of Sheba? Why do you bring sweet-smelling cane from a faraway country? Your burnt offerings don't make me happy. Your sacrifices don't please me. Their sins were at such that they were just continuing sinning and not even feeling bad. They were not saying that this, is, this violates everything we know that Moses passed on. This is, this is not of God. How could a nation do that? Could not one wise man stand, rise up and say, you know, King Joash, he, he had it right, guys. We need to repent. Could not one wise man? Well, Jeremiah did. And no one listened. Are we willing to listen? Jeremiah 7, 10. If you commit these sins, do you think that you can stand before me in this house that is called by my name? Do you think you can stand before me and say we are safe just so we can go on doing these terrible things? Is there anywhere in you, and this is, this is a question you just got to ask yourself, is there anywhere in your own heart that gives permission to sin because you dress a certain way? Because you go to a certain church? Because you read a certain translation? Because, because you, are, uh, you walk the walk and you talk the talk? Is there anything that in you that gives you permission to let flesh reside because you look right, you sound right, you say the right words, you hang out with the right people? Because that doesn't give you permission to sin. And it doesn't protect you. And you can't stand before God and say, I got everything right except for that. That's okay. You know, we're, 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 we're safe because I'm, you know, I got a long sleeve shirt. It's not, you know, it's not all the way down. But, you know, God understands, right? You can't do that. Jeremiah chapter 7, 23. I only gave them this command, obey me and I will be your God and you'll be my people. Do all that I command and good things will happen to you. But your ancestors didn't listen to me. They did not pay attention to me. They were stubborn. They did what they wanted to do. They did not, uh, uh, they did not become good. They became even more evil. They went backwards, not forwards. They went backwards. Every day, if our desire is not put to death, every day, if our flesh isn't told, its place is submitted to God. Your place is submitted to God. I am not going to obey you. I'm going to obey God. Every day, we go backwards. 
We don't get closer to the Lord. We're not drawing nigh to Him. We're not, we're not getting more godly. Every day we go backwards. And we allow that. Jeremiah, this is uh, Jeremiah 8.4. Jeremiah says this to the people of Judah. This is what the Lord says. You know if a man falls down, he gets up again. If a man goes the wrong way, he turns around and comes back. The people of Judah went the wrong way. But why do the people of Jerusalem continue going the wrong way? They believe their own lies. They refuse to turn around and come back. I have listened to them very carefully, but they don't say what is right. They are not sorry for their sins. They don't think about the evil that they have done. They do things without thinking. They are like horses running into a battle. Does this in any way describe you? Have you fallen and not gotten up? Have you not repented? Have you not confessed? Have you gone down the wrong path and refused to turn around because of pride or because of arrogance or because of whatever? Have you seen the warning signs this morning of destruction is coming that's just around the corner? Then I urge you, to listen. Now is the time of the decision to turn, to get to get it right, to get up off the ground. He is slow to anger, and he has plenty of some mercy. In the midst of all these warnings, he gives us a promise. People of Jerusalem, this is 414, uh, Jeremiah 414. People of Jerusalem, wash the evil from your hearts. Make your hearts pure so that you can be saved. Don't continue making evil plans. Jeremiah 322. People of Israel, you are unfaithful to me, but come back to me. Come back and I'll forgive you from being unfaithful. Just say yes. We will come back because you are the Lord our God. If I'm addressing a group this morning, if I was to address a group this morning of, of uh, men or others that, that have been caught in their sin, have confessed, and now they're facing the consequences. Well, they may be getting right with God, but there's all sorts of consequences that they have to face. There's all sorts of pain and trust that they have to go through. There's all sorts of misery that has to yet to be happened, but they're getting right with God. I would give them this verse. So I, I give you this verse in this mindset. If what you need to confess today, what you need to get rid of this next week as you're going through your life, if there's something that, that you have to say that's going to make you face some terrible consequences, listen to this uh, encouragement from the Lord. Jeremiah 33, the people of Jerusalem have done many bad things. I am angry with them. I have turned against them. So I will kill Many people there. The Babylonian army will come and fight against Jerusalem. There will be many dead bodies in the houses of Jerusalem. But then I will heal the people in that city. I will let them enjoy peace and safety. I will make good things happen to Judah and Israel again and make them strong as in the past. They sinned against me, but I will wash away their sin. They fought against me, but I will forgive them. Then Jerusalem will be a wonderful place. The people will be happy. People from other nations will praise it when they hear about the good things happening there. They will hear about the good things I am doing for Jerusalem. There's terrible consequences to sin. And I, 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 I tell you, I could tell you, but I'm not. There's terrible consequences to sin. There are things that you have to live through once confession is done. But God does bring restoration. God does forgive. God does give the grace, the power to be able to get through it. He does bring healing. And if, and if, and if you are lucky enough to be on this side of all those terrible consequences, you are just now thinking about some sin that you could do, you have ability to do, you're, setting, you're trimming your sails so that, that that availability will be there for you uh, if you just happen to be in that area, whatever. Whatever the case is, if you're on this side of that destructive behavior, is it not good to hear it now <laughs> and to know that I didn't climb the fence because I saw that sign? I may have thought it and it was wrong and I may have stood on the rail, and I did, but I didn't climb over it and, and as I obeyed the signs. And I'm so thankful that I did. Right now you have that opportunity. Right now you do. You, you can think. You can pray. You can, you can go through some of these things. You can make sure that, you're, that you are um, seeking truth. Seeking honesty. And I've gone through a bunch of verses. Again, this wasn't a three-point sermon. This was just some things I've been getting out of my quiet time that when I was asked to share, it's like, well, what am I going to share? <laughs> I've got all these verses the Lord's been giving me every morning. I want to be able to share them.
so I have. But if there be anybody here that you know that I was speaking to you, then all I can do is beg. Because that man floating down the 75 feet or 15, 25 feet, whatever it was in that, in that news story, if he could have done anything different in his life before going over the edge, he would have done it. If he could have done anything different, but he couldn't have. He was, he was in the stream of water. It was all the consequences were destruction. And you have that opportunity this morning. Father, I beg of you, God, make us tender. Break down our defenses. Help us, Lord, to hear you. I confess right now, Lord God, that I am walking in anger when I should not be. I am saying things to my children, precious little hearts that are eternal, that I shouldn't. Lord, I ask, Father, that you would, you would cleanse my mouth and my palate, you'd, my heart, that my conscience would be set new. Flesh would be restored and calluses removed. Lord, any area in my life, Lord, that I have not given over to you, that I have given a provision for flesh, provision for sin, I ask and I beg, Lord God, that you would help me see it and cleanse it. Father, that I could love you honestly a man who seeks the truth in my life, am I honestly following you? And if anybody else prayed that prayer, Lord, help us to honor it. Help us not just to look at it and to walk away like a man looks at a mirror with a, with a problem and not deal with it. Help us not be hypocrites. But Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to listen to your word. We thank you, Lord, for the, all the pain and the suffering even that the, that the Israelites went through and those in Judah, Lord, went through the example they've given us. Help us heed the warnings and help us to love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.